Well, hey, several years ago, uh, I got to be a part of a team that was starting a food co-op uh, for low-income families in our community. And the idea behind the co-op was to move from a system of dependency um, that, that maybe inadvertently took dignity from people just in the way that the system works, move from, from that system to one of empowerment, uh, where, whereas before, you know, maybe they would receive very little food from a food pantry. The co-op was about empowering them, giving dignity, and, and providing what's known as food security. And so co-op members would receive anywhere from 60 to 80% of their food needs every two weeks. And so the, the hope behind it was that then it would allow them to stretch uh, what they did have even further during that time. <clears throat> And I'll never forget the first week that we made distributions. People were dancing. They were singing. It was just such an exciting day. Uh, one lady who had eight kids, um, she had tears in her eyes. She said for the first time as a mom, she didn't have to worry about how she was going to feed her family. Think about that just for a moment. I don't know if that's your reality. It might be. I can tell you that's not my reality. I don't go to bed wondering how I'm going to feed my children the next day. But this mother of eight said every night she went to bed wondering how she was going to feed her children the next day. And she said, I don't have to think about that anymore. And she got to take home six big boxes of food every six weeks, every two weeks. And as the reality of that began to set in, she became absolutely overwhelmed with joy and emotion. It was, it was incredible to see. But probably my favorite story from that first week was of a guy named Adrian. Adrian was single. He had just recently moved out of a friend's basement into a place of his own. Adrian had battled cancer on and off throughout his life and just found himself really struggling uh, he was finally in remission. He was starting to get his feet back underneath him. He had a place of his own. He was working really hard to stay out of a homeless shelter. And at the very first co-op, Adrian saw his portion of the distribution, and he was a little overwhelmed too. He received two full boxes of food. And he, and he came up to me afterwards and he said, Sean, man, this is the most food I have ever had in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of this. And I remember being so excited to hear him say that, like that's exactly what we were hoping people would, would experience. This was exactly what we wanted. But I also remember Adrian was not as excited about that as I would have expected him to be. He certainly wasn't as excited about it as, as I was. In fact, Adrian looked a little bit concerned. And, and so I said, hey, listen, Adrian, you know, just take it home. Put the cool stuff in your, in your fridge. Stock your pantry, man. You never have to be hungry again. But then Adrian said something that I will never forget. He said, man, I'll be okay. God has always provided everything that I need. And then he asked me a question that to this day makes me evaluate my own heart. He said, is it okay if I go give one of my boxes to her? And he pointed to the single mom with eight kids He said, all those mouths to feed, I'm sure she needs this food a whole lot more than my pantry does. Whew. 
Now, I'll tell you, there is something about seeing generosity inside of others that makes me want to be a more generous person. Anyone else feel that way? We, we hear stories, we see stories of generosity, you know, maybe read an article about someone's generosity, whether it's that they were generous with their time or they were generous with their abilities, maybe even with their finances. However, they were generous. We hear a story about generosity and we think, I want to be more of that kind of person. I'm going to be a more generous person. It just seems like the right thing to do, right? Like generosity gives us all of those warm, fuzzy feelings inside. We've all heard the stories. We know the difference that generosity can make if we give others our time or our abilities or even our finances. And and because of that, most of us desire to be that type of person. Most of us want to be a generous person. Person. We want to be known as someone who, who, whatever the moment needs, would be willing to step in and say, I'm going to give of what I have. It may not be much, but I'm going to give of what I have because we want to be generous people. But there's an enemy of generosity that lurks just beneath the surface, ready to snatch that little seed away. It's, it's an ugly green monster called greed. Ooh. Think about the Lion King, you know, Mufasa. Ooh, say it again, Mufasa, you know, greed. Nobody likes the word greed. That is an ugly word, isn't it? But here's the thing. Greed is sneaky. Greed hides in our hearts behind good intentions. Greed hides in our hearts behind good intentions. It hides in our hearts really well. And what happens is all of our good intentions and all of our desires trick us into thinking that we are generous people without ever actually practicing generosity. Well, I'm generous because I want to be generous. And we're tricked. In other words, you can talk about living a life of generosity all you want. You can desire to be generous all you want. But until you actually start living as a generous person, greed will continue to put your needs and your wants or even your fears above others. The truth is, the only thing that has the power to break greed in our lives and in our relationships is generosity. Jesus alludes to this in our text. And so if you have a Bible with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 12, 15. If you have a Bible app that you like to use, you can turn there as well. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. If you have a Bible. You can follow along up on the screen, it says, well. Now, whenever we hear the word generosity, for most of us, we think about money, right? We think about money. And, and while it's true that generosity could be, and it absolutely should be, uh, displayed through our finances, I believe that generosity is actually most beautifully displayed when we give someone of our time. And so I understand, you know, right here as we're starting this series, there may be some walls that are up. You may be thinking, we're just talking about money. Listen, I'm telling you that generosity to me is most beautifully displayed when you give somebody your time. It's most beautifully displayed when you give somebody your energy. When, when our lives reflect the radical generosity that Jesus models for us, I mean, lives are changed and the kingdom of heaven feels just a little bit closer to earth in someone's life. That's what this is about. 
And I think that's why we get those warm fuzzies when we hear stories about generosity. It's a, it's a beautiful glimpse of heaven on earth. There's just something that seems right about it because it is right. It is good. Generosity is of God. And I believe that it is a glimpse of heaven on earth. And that's what we want to be about as followers of Jesus. That's what we want to be, to, to bring to Bedford and to Bloomington and to southern Indiana and beyond. We want to be people who are about bringing the kingdom of heaven just a little bit closer to this earth in the way that we live and in the way that we act and the way that we respond to the gospel. In response to a God who is incredibly generous and kind to us through Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series called Generosity Reimagined, where we look at how we can be more generous in our lives, not just with our finances, but also with our time and with our abilities. We're going to be giving some very practical next steps about how we can begin to live this value out. But to do that, I believe that we really need to know more about this enemy that we are up against that wants to rob us of our generosity, and that is the enemy of greed. Most people would probably never label themselves as a greedy person. It's such an ugly term, right? I think it's also because greed does hide so well behind other things like good intentions or virtues. Because of that, it's so easy to miss in ourselves. We may be able to very easily spot it in others, but it's difficult to see in our own lives. And so how do we know if we struggle with greed? Let me give you some indicators. Greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. Greedy people are not cheerful givers of their time, of their energy, of their resources. It, it doesn't matter. They, they don't give any of it, and they certainly don't give it cheerfully. <laughs> Begrudgingly, maybe, but not cheerfully. Greedy people are reluctant to share what they have. They're reluctant to share their time or their energy or their resources with others. Greedy people quibble over insignificant amounts of money. And, and if you just thought to yourself, well, there's no such thing as an insignificant amount of money, I'm to, that might be an indicator that you have a little bit of greed hiding in your heart. <laughs> And, and here's the thing that I found through, through the years, just like generosity, greed knows no socioeconomic boundaries. I have met generous poor people and I have met generous rich people. I have met greedy poor people and I have met greedy rich people because here is the point. Greed isn't a financial issue, it is a heart issue. Greed is not... A financial issue. Just as generosity is not a financial issue, it is a heart issue. And because it's a heart issue, greed can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. We can become greedy with anything that we have to give to another person. People can be greedy with their money, but they can also be greedy with their time and only think about themselves in terms of their calendar or their daily schedule. We they don't serve anywhere or give up their time to anything. They don't leave or give any time for the benefit of others. We can become greedy with our abilities and only use them for our own gain and pleasure. 
Greed is not about our pocketbook or our checking account. Greed is about what is inside of our heart and it can influence anything and everything that we have to give to another person. It is an emotional habit that has the power to break your relationships because you only think of yourself. The person who is greedy and whose heart is filled with greed has very little room to love anyone other than themselves. And if a person is always looking out for themselves and thinking of their own best interests, then the relationships will always suffer. If you are in a relationship or have been in a relationship with a greedy person, you know just how true that is. But here's the good news. We don't have to live this way. Scripture points us to another way. Scripture points us to a better way. You can break greed and find joy and generosity. And Jesus tells us how. Look at our text together. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. There's a couple of brothers that come up to him in a little bit of an argument about uh, an inheritance. Um, that doesn't happen anymore today, so obviously this is irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> So they're saying, Jesus, you know, take my side, essentially. And so Jesus tells them this. He said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Watch out. Some translations say, beware. Why? Because greed is subtle and it can take on many different forms. It's why Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I think what Jesus knows is that if a person is greedy with their money, then there's a good chance that they'll also be greedy with their time and their abilities and anything else that they have to give. Because again, greed is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. And so to prove just how dangerous it is, Jesus tells this story beginning in verse 16. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man. Now, we see this. He's already wealthy. He doesn't speak against him because of his wealth. This isn't saying that wealth is a bad thing. It's, it's not. He goes on. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now that word store, that's farmer language for save. His immediate thought when he had an abundance was not, Lord, what do you want me to do with all of this extra that you have given me? Instead, it was, hey, lucky me, how can I benefit from what I just received? And that's how greedy people think. Whether it be with their time or their resources, the first thought is how can I use what I have for me? In fact, even as we go through this story, 11 different times the personal pronouns I or me are used because it's a selfishness thing. How can I use what I have, this abundance for me? And if I'm honest, I probably struggle with this more than I care to admit. A little extra comes in, hey, let's see, I've been eyeing this, or I'd like to get this, and I start looking to me. And like the farmer in the story, I can always come up with a plan for the extra. <laughs> Here is his plan, verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. He got a case of bigger barn syndrome, <laughs> 
said, I'll tear down these barns that were providing for all of my needs and perfectly providing for my family. I'll tear down these barns and I will build up bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus gain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. And, and, and when he says that, he's, he's telling him, you are acting foolish when you do this. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? You've, you've stored and you've worked and you've taken it all for yourself and it's all going to be ripped out of your hands and given to somebody else. And Jesus closes in verse 21 by saying, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And this is Jesus' definition of a greedy person, someone who stores up and hangs on tightly to things for themselves, but isn't rich towards God. And being rich towards God is Jesus' way of saying, being generous with what we have to give to those who need it. And so the lingering question of this parable is, how do you become rich towards God? People would have heard this story and they would have said, okay, I don't want to be that. So how do I become this? How do I become rich towards God? And the answer is simple. You practice generosity. That's it. You practice generosity. Being rich towards God means gratefully acknowledging that everything we have Everything we have, from our time to our talent to our treasure, everything that we have is a gift from God. Acknowledging that and then making every effort to use what he has given us for the good of others and for the glory of God. You become rich towards God. You find greater joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in life when you practice generosity, not when you have good intentions to maybe one day be generous if you get a little bit extra, <laughs> but when you now today begin practicing generosity. And here's the thing, just like you can't get in shape until you start working out, I'm telling you, you will never be generous until you start practicing generosity. In other words, don't wait until you feel like giving to start giving to start giving of your time, of yourself to others now and watch God begin to grow and change your heart. And my guess is that not only will he grow and change your heart, but through your generosity, lives will be impacted as well like this. Let's check out this story. Safe Families for Children is a faith-based organization that came to Bloomington not too long ago, and the mission of the organization is to provide assistance, respite, help in whatever format that might need to be for families in crisis. So people that don't have a local support system, a family or friends that can help them when a crisis hits. And that's how Lucas and I met Gianna and Kelly. I live here in Bloomington with my daughter, Gianna, who's five. We came here with absolutely no friends or family. 
I was in an abusive relationship and in August I was assaulted and put in the hospital. I knew I would not be able to take care of Gianna mentally, emotionally, physically, so I reached out to Safe Families and that's whenever they connected me with Julia. I got a call asking if we would be willing to take a five-year-old little girl in to stay at our house for a couple of weeks. And I said, absolutely, we've got the room ready for her, let's go. It gave me an opportunity to bring kids into our home for my only child, Lucas, to enjoy playing with. He wants siblings. I can't necessarily adopt kids at this point, but I can have kids in our home that he can consider very good friends, if not brothers and sisters. And so he's benefited from the experience and I've gotten a new friend. Safe Families gave me a home where I knew my daughter would be safe so I could take care of myself without me being healthy. I knew I couldn't take care of my child, Gianna. When she left the home she was in, she left everything. And so um, we're able to help her in so many different ways get started again. Living in a shelter is hard, but during this time I found a job. I've been saving to get a place. I've had dinner with Julia being invited knowing I had nowhere else to go or no one else to talk to. She's opened her phone up when I was at rock bottom. A lot of times I just listened. I didn't need to provide answers or I didn't need to fix anything. I just needed to let her know that she had somebody she could talk to. You never know what one's going through. Not everyone is out to get money. Some people just need a safe place for their child or for themselves or a hug or an ear for someone to listen when you need to talk. There's so many blessings that come from being generous, being available, and you just have to be ready when those opportunities come your way. Today I feel loved again, and I feel like I have a true family, and it doesn't take blood to have a family. It just takes someone's heart. What a difference generosity makes. Julia said, I don't have much, but what I have is a home and a place in my heart to take in your child while you recover. And because of that, Kelly is now back on her feet. We make a difference when we open up ourselves and say, God, this is what I have. Use it. Use it for the benefit of others and use it for your glory. And so this week, the question is, what can you do to practice generosity and make a difference in someone's life? Maybe you need to take a friend out for lunch or invite your one life out for coffee and just give them some of your time and your undivided attention. Maybe there's a place in the community or in the church, Sherwood Kids, um, that you know of that needs help. Sherwood Kids, if you didn't hear that uh, again. <laughs> that, that needs volunteers. And, and this is the week that, that you say, I'm going to step up and I'm going to take that challenge. I'm going to do something. I know there's a need. I don't have much, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in and I'm going to do something and give my time. Maybe there's a cause that you need to write a check to that you know, because like my friend Adrian taught me, they need it more than your checking account does. And if you're not sure what to do next, but you have this desire in your heart to do something, we have created this, this awesome resource. I love it. It's called the Generosity Board. And it has some ideas of how you can start practicing generosity. And so whether you can already think of something that you're going to do this week or not, my challenge is that every single one of us in here tonight, we stop by this generosity challenge board and we take one of these cards Inside, uh, just right out here as you leave today, uh, there's a board and there's cards that are hanging on this board. And, and there are about 90 different 
ways that you can practice generosity this week. And, and they're random and they're scattered and you aren't going to have, have any idea what they are until you pick out the card. But the challenge is that you go out there, you take that card. They're easy. Uh, they're, 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 they'll stretch you a little bit, but it's not like give a thousand dollars. It's not anything like that, okay? Uh, so we, they're very accessible and we just challenge everyone to go out there and pick up one of those cards and to complete that challenge as a way of living generosity out in your life. Here are a couple of examples of the cards. Now, take a meal to a shut-in. Take a meal to a shut-in. Clean up a street near where you live. Maybe you drive down this street every single day. You see trash alongside of it and you think, man, somebody ought to clean that up. I'm going to call the mayor's office. I'm sure that never happens. Uh, <laughs> you be the one that stops and cleans that up. Like, if you see it, you do it. Be generous with your time and your energy and your abilities. That's the challenge for that card. Maybe you'll get that one. Another one, buy a gift card for a person in line behind you at the grocery store. How cool would that be? You get that? You, okay, is this the person? Is this the person? Hey, I know this is really weird, but our church is doing this thing called generosity. So, uh, 10 bucks, any gift card on here that you want, that's yours. That could be a card that you get. Another card is watch um, a friend's kids to give them a date night. Um, if any of you get that card, uh, my number is 812-325. We would love to be recipients of your generosity. I mean, just saying, if you get that card and you're needing something. But that's some examples of these cards. They're very simple, they're, but they're next steps that you can take to say, I want to start practicing generosity. And so we challenge everyone in here today. I hope that there is a line coming down the hallway as we leave here tonight because everyone's going and getting their card. And then we're inviting you to use the blank space on the back of the card um, just to briefly share the story of what happened. You know, maybe the story is going to be, oh, it was great, you know, it struck up a great conversation, or it was horrible, the person looked at me and said, um, no, this is kind of weird, I'm going to go over to this checkout line. You know, that could be it too. We, we want to collect these stories and compile them, uh, these stories of generosity, to, to share some of them at the end of the series. And so complete your challenge, write the story on the back of the card, and then bring the card back here uh, to that box that's going to continue to be out in the lobby. There's a little notch that you can, you can drop it in there when you're done. As we close out today, here's the coolest part of all of this. When you practice generosity, you are living like Jesus who generously gave of himself. I heard somebody say one time, you are never more like Jesus than when you serve. You are never more like Jesus than when you serve. And I think that's true. Jesus gave of himself. He put our needs above his own. He left the riches of heaven to live life amongst us, to die the sinner's death that we deserve, and to graciously and generously give us the life that was his Church, when we practice generosity, we show people the gospel and we reveal the hope of Jesus in their life. And so my question as, you close, as we close out today is, is not necessarily how are you going to practice generosity this week. I think the better question as we close tonight is how are you going to show someone Jesus this week? And how are you going to bring the kingdom of heaven just a little bit closer to their life? Would you stand with me? as I pray. God, thank you so much for the generosity that you have shown us through Jesus. And the gospel message is a generous message that you saw us in our broken state of need, adding to the brokenness of our life and others. And you stepped down into that. 
You took that on yourself. You took the, the punishment that we deserve for it so that we could find life. God, you are an incredibly generous and gracious God who has given us more than we deserve.